Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Mountain. We are a church body that meets in thousands of locations, and one of them is right where you are right now. My name is Ben. I'm a part of this great community, and I'm really genuinely happy that you are joining us uh, today. You know, there's a lot of things that none of us can control right now, right? Like the weather and, and the vaccine distribution and the Ravens playoff hopes, right? Right. So much we can't control. But we can take responsibility for the steps and strides that we make with God's strength so that we can see real change happen in our lives. And that's what we're talking about in this series. We're calling it Wish You Were Here because it's like this invitation, right, from Jesus who's out in front of us, out in front of all of us. Like wherever you are, Jesus is out ahead of us. And after this this time of like quarantine and distancing from other people, a lot of us have discovered that we are also sort of separated from God and, and from his church and, and distanced um, from the spiritual growth that maybe we thought we might have. And, and we need in our hearing Jesus gently encouraging us forward saying, I'm going to meet you right where you are, but will you follow me to a new place? Jesus meets you right where you are, but he wants to to lead us to a new place, to a new you, okay? You're here, Jesus is saying, wish you were here. Would you let me help you get there? That's what this is all about, and I hope that stirs something inside of you. Um, I I don't know what you did for New Year's Eve. It was very different for a lot of us, I'm sure. Maybe you sat home and watched one of those um, pitiful shows, you know, with the ball dropping, or you went to bed early just to kind of cap off 2020 or I don't know what you did, but you know, I, I, I hope that whatever other sort of aspirations or resolutions that kind of are stirring inside of you, we would all just realize that our main objective should, should not just be to have a new year or some new circumstances, but to have a new you, right? Like a new me, like to have a new soul. Scripture actually talks about putting a new heart inside of us. I want that this year. I I want a new passion for God. We've all been kind of beat down by so many things. Do you have room now to move forward uh, toward a new devotion for Christ? You open to a fresh infilling of God's Spirit, a, a, a new attitude that can then come with that, and a new set of practices that will help us not just survive but thrive. The question we're asking is, you know, are you, are you going through COVID or are you growing through COVID, right? And the turn of the calendar year gives us a chance to say with Psalm 23, Lord, renew my strength. With Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in us. And to say with Psalm 126, Lord, restore our fortunes just as streams renew the desert. 2020 left a lot of us feeling like, you know, our soul is sort of like a desert. And maybe you're exhausted and your emotions are, are flat and your heart is hard and crusty like the dry ground uh, of a sandy desert. And we all need those renewing waters of God's restoring presence. So whatever happened in 2020, God can restore our fortunes and turn everything around um, like a river running through our hearts. And, and uh, I think he's ready for that and just saying, wish you were here. Because we, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And so we put our focus on the Lord. Um, the way Paul said it, and this is kind of a 
key scripture for us. If you have your Bible, I, I would love for you to open it up and look at Philippians chapter 3. Paul says his main thing is, I just really, really want to know Christ, he says, like personally, like deeply. And to have the same power that raised him from the dead alive at work in his life, he says. And I says, I've not arrived there yet. And then he says these great words, chapter 3, verse 13 and following. He says, no, no, I, I've not achieved all that. But I focus on this one thing. And then he has this beautiful phrase, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and, and receive that heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. There's plenty in the past, you know, from this last year to, to be discouraged and disgusted by. And we need to listen to it all and lament through it and learn. But there comes a time, doesn't there, when we need to forget the past and look ahead and start pressing on. And that, and that word pressing means you're going to have to press. You're going to have to push a little bit because there's resistance. So I hope you're ready to press on because there is, think about this, there is a fuller, deeper, stronger, purer, better, more mature version of you that doesn't exist yet, but it's within you. It's a version that has more confidence in God and more joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and gentleness. It's, it's, it's got more of Jesus, that version of you. He's calling you, saying, man, I wish you were here. Let me help you. And that gap between where I am right now and where Jesus is calling me to be, that's the journey before me in 2021. And you've got a journey before you as well. So we began last week by saying we got to start with a really important question like where are you now? Like in your life with God, exactly where are you? How are you doing spiritually? We talked about how, you know, studies have shown there's about a third of us that are doing pretty well during COVID. Like we've stayed connected to the Lord. You've, you've stayed connected to the church and you're walking and moving in a good direction. But there's about another third of us that are just kind of so-so, you know, just kind of not connected that closely, but not completely cut off from God either. But our, our faith isn't what you'd call vibrant and, and really growing. But maybe the concerning part is that there's about a third of us who are doing just not very well at all, like pretty much cut off and disconnected, not just like socially distanced from people, but from God and kind of stuck or stagnant, like, like we took steps backward in our life with God. So it's important that we are honest and aware about where we are. Where are you? Like on that continuum of faith from far away to super close, like where are you? And, and which direction are you moving? Are you just going through COVID or are you growing through COVID? As a phrase that we used last week, um, it's important to remember, whenever we do whatever we want to do, we, we generally end up where we don't want to be. Whenever we do what we want to do and just kind of go with the flow, we usually end up someplace that we're not very happy with. And that's why we get in trouble with debt and relationships and all kinds of stuff. And so what we need is, is some actions that kind of help us push back against what we might naturally just sort of 
want to do. We need something that will help us fight our own complacency or our laziness or our natural desires to, to help us get to the, the, the true freedom and the actual growth that's so rewarding in life. So that's where it gets kind of exciting because together as a church family, we're inviting everyone to kind of band together in this new year to, to, to take some steps together. They may not look like much on the surface, but when we just take these little steps, these little obedient steps in the same direction, man, God promises that they will lead us to a, a place that's crazy good and exciting. So we're committing to these simple but very powerful acts of revolution that really do have the potential to, to make big change in our lives and in our church. So as opposed to New Year's resolutions, which is you know, very often about surface level stuff, you know, um, not that they're bad, you know, losing weight or showing up on time or, or reading more books or what have you. That's all tremendous stuff. But what we're talking about here is actually just bigger than that. Not just behavioral changes, but deep fundamental, like who I am at the heart and soul level. The Bible, after all, talks about how I need a new heart. I need to be born all over again. The old is gone. The new has come. We can become a new creation that's way bigger than just saying I'm going to get on the treadmill more often. So what we need is not a resolution, but New Year's revolutions, because a revolution is a significant change where the old really goes away. Well, it turns out that there are all these time-tested, simple biblical practices God has given us that open the door to really revolutionary change like that. And if we're humble, he, God will, God will, and practice these things, God will bring these real changes into our life. And so last week we announced this really exciting thing that the entire Mountain family is going to fast and pray together through the month of January. And everyone's invited uh, to do this together. So no matter who you are, maybe you're just hearing about it. Maybe you're all excited because you've already participated in our first fast. Um, doesn't matter who you are, you're welcome to join us, all right, in this New Year's revolution, fasting and prayer. Um, we're, we're just joining together. We're, uh, most of us are doing it Thursday night after dinner um, through all day Friday and then breaking a fast with Friday dinner. So about 24 hours in which we, we just abstain from food. Uh, keep drinking plenty of water and fluids or whatever works for you. Don't get rigid about it. But in the time that we set aside to God, we're just seeking his face and really devoting ourselves to him. And, and, and of course, uh, we need to say, you know, there might be some medical reasons why it's not a good idea for you to observe a food fast. Or, or maybe, you know, those with eating disorders or food addictions, uh, you, you'll need to think and ask God, you know, show me another way that would be a way for you to get in on this because you, you might need to fast from something else, you know, social media or your phone or something that would represent discipline on your part that won't ruin your recovery steps, but, but at the same time won't um, prevent you from joining in on the freedom and the joy and the closeness we experience whenever we do devote ourselves to God in this special way, like through a fast or, or some other way. So, so don't get hung up on the legalities or the rules, but just hear it as an invitation. Wish you were here. And one of the things Jesus does is he fasted and invites us into this ancient practice. So you can join us for the last three if you're just joining us. Um, text FAST to the number on your screen. It's 877 622 
1824, and we'll send you some reminders and scripture and encouragement. You can also join me every Wednesday this month on Facebook Live at 7 p.m., and we'll just talk about practical, simple stuff about all these practices and challenges, these acts of revolution. We did one on fasting. It's great. You can still catch it on Facebook's uh, Mountain's Facebook page or uh, on the YouTube channel, and there's information about that. And also just go to the website, um, mountaincc.org backslash new year for details about all of these revolutions. We're going to add in a few more as they go, but for now, we're jumping in with fasting. And today, we want to introduce another New Year's revolution, a commitment I'm going to urge you to make, invite you to make, that will, I think, help all of us really grow through COVID. Um, and it's, it's something that you were born to do. Um, it's something that when we're at our best, we want and love to do, but with, which often I think we kind of forget to do. We think it's boring or we don't understand it. What is it, I wonder? <laughs> the second practice that can revolutionize your life and mine and move us forward with God, this second New Year's revolution, you know what it is? It's worship. Worship, worshiping together especially. Now, just to be completely honest here, for a lot of us, this has been one of the hardest parts of the coronavirus restrictions. It's, it's kept us from gathering together for worship services the way that we're used to doing and want to do, and that's become one of the real, just like the hallmarks of, of what makes mountains so awesome. And I've heard from so many of you, man, I miss it so much. I can't, I need it so badly. I can't wait till we can regather. And I am with you 100% on all of that. And so many of you have also expressed deep appreciation and gratitude for the online uh, services. That's obviously how we're participating right now today. Um, the worship that is found on our website and YouTube and Facebook, it's been a lifeline for so many of us. And you know, we keep hearing stories about so many of us who are new to our community and joining us through what I call the screen door, right? Through the screen of your laptop or TV or phone. And, and you're so grateful and we're grateful. Um, and no doubt when all this is over, uh, digital and online is going to be a big part of our future moving forward, even after we've regathered. But, you know, I think we also want to be honest again and, and, and acknowledge that, you know, some have simply not made the transition very well to online. Some uh, have just like mentally been unable to participate online very well. And, you know, I hear things like, I don't know, I'm trying. It's just not the same. Or um, the practice of, of, you know, getting out of the house and going to church kind of built in something into your schedule. And when it's so easy as just to simply open your laptop, it, that somehow is harder for us to do. And many of us have gotten away from regular worship of God. And some who say, oh, I'm still doing it. But you know what? Um, the habits are new and there are distractions and drawbacks. Um, and, and instead of really encountering God in a deep way, it's too easy just to kind of kick back in the recliner. Some of you are like literally right now, like, uh oh, <laughs> he's talking about me. You know, but when, when, we, when you can just grab a coffee or play fetch with the dog or carry on a sidebar conversation or fold your laundry or do your yoga while you watch, um, you know, it's going to be a less than experience. And a lot of us are going to say, you know, I'm not sure I'm really growing right now through all this. So that's what we want to talk about today and look at what we can do. And there's a lot we can do that will really help us keep growing in this situation and really enrich our worship experience. And soon we're going to be regathering in person and 
we're going to need to get our heads in the game and our hearts in line for that because we've kind of unlearned a lot of stuff maybe we had before. We're going to have to add in some new, ha- and it's a great opportunity to start fresh, um, to really think about what's needed for true, deep, beautiful, good, strong, biblical worship that blesses God and blesses us. Because one thing's for sure. Okay, let's start here. Worship and worshiping together is super, super important. Okay, um, we know this if for no other reason, because when you look in the Bible, at the, in the, it's all through the Old Testament with the people of God. It's all through the New Testament with the new church. Acts chapter 2 says that they devoted, think about yourself now, are you devoting yourself to worship, like apostles teaching, that's the teaching, that's the presence of Jesus and his teaching, to fellowship, like relationships, like breaking of bread, that was the communion and also their time together, and to prayer, are you devoted to yourself? And even if no one else did, they did, all right? They said, you know, we're going to get some teaching and some share the communion together, I don't care. Uh, and guess what? They didn't have any church buildings, but they still got together. The text goes on to say they got together in smaller groups. Like every day, they met in homes, they met in public places. And then Hebrews 10 says, you know what, we're talking about not giving up meeting together, as some in those days were in the habit of doing because they just were getting away from it or getting lazy, not because of COVID restrictions, but it's so important to come together. And you can see that this worshiping together gives not only a blessing to God, but encouragement and strength to us. And so that's what I think does make it so hard about not being able to meet in person right now. And again, soon we will be. But even when we're meeting just online, what can we learn from all of this? Well, here's the first thing I'm gonna ask you to do right now is to, with great resolve, draw a line right now and say, from this point forward, I'm gonna make weekly participation in the worship of God through mountain, a priority of the highest importance in my life. I'll tell you why that's so important, but I'm asking you to do that. Draw a line, make a decision, a New Year's revolution. Whatever has been, whatever was last March or last June, last October, last week, doesn't matter. Forgetting what is behind, we look ahead right now and we're gonna press on and we're gonna have to push on this, to press. And I'm asking you to say, from this point forward, I'm gonna make weekly participation in, the, with, in, in worship of God through mountain, a priority of the highest importance in my life. Don't give up the meeting together as some are inevitably going to ha- be in the habit of doing. This means you're going to say, I am always going to make this happen in my life. Always, like every week, bar none. Because, and this is maybe the hard part of the sermon to hear, but let's not play games here. Let's not pretend that we're interested in growing in our faith and that you really care about the Lord if you're not willing to do the first and most fundamental thing that we are called to do as his creatures, which is to acknowledge him, worship him, and come before him as his sheep of his pasture, as Psalm 100 says. Draw a line and say, starting now, I'm going to participate in worship eagerly every single week. And and I'm not talking about being legalistic or making some rules or being judgmental about anyone else. I'm just saying for you, you say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. For me, I can make that decision. I'm going to put that big rock in my jar first before it all gets filled up with everything else. Put them first in your schedule. I love what Jonathan Edwards said about his resolutions. He said this, resolution one, 
I will live for God. Resolution two, if no one else does, I still will. That's the spirit. Forget about what you used to do, what anyone else does. It's time to forget that and press on, start fresh. And you know what? Let's be serious here. Come on. With services that Mountain airs live, Saturday at 5, Sunday at 8, 9.45 and 11.30 and 5 p.m. and Monday night and Tuesday night at 7, all live, all aired later. You can catch them anytime on YouTube, Facebook. All the messages archived on demand. You can access them anytime. Is there really... Any good reason someone could say, you know, I, I, I just can't find, I can't make it happen. Like, no, you make it a non-negotiable. We've let this virus take away too much. Don't let it take away your commitment to worship and don't let it take something away from God that is rightfully his and that is worship from us, from you, from me. And when we do regather soon, um, you can add that in at that time as well. And whether we're in person or online, there are a few timeless truths that we want to look at today in the time that we have left. Just kind of three biblical truths that will revolutionize our worship experience. They've revolutionized mine. They've, they've changed the way I think and feel and act when I prepare to worship together. And they'll, I think, make the difference for a lot of us between just going through COVID and growing through COVID. Because let's be honest, again, it, it doesn't do any good if we just show up and our head's not in the game. You know, we're just zombies staring at some screen or, you know, we got a split screen where we're checking scores or whatever. You know, we're, we're, we're actually working to resist the good things that can happen to us when we worship. So what do we need to do? Let me tell you about the three big truths and then uh, uh, like a shift that happens with each one. Here's the first thing that will revolutionize your life with God when you worship, and that is that you realize, number one, that worship is a verb. Worship's a verb. Think about that, okay? I'm not asking you to be a grammarian here, but you know what a verb is. A, a, a verb is an action word. It, it tells about something that you do. So worship is like that. It, it's it's something we do. And, and I think a lot of times we've kind of made it into like a noun, like it's a thing we go to, or it's a time that we spend. It's a, it, it, like it's someplace we go. Some people are so confused and disoriented during COVID precisely for this reason. With churches not meeting in large groups, they thought, oh no, I can't worship because <laughs> I can't go to worship services. I can't go to church. That's, that's only true if you think worship is someplace you go, like a service you attend, but it's, it's really not at all. Worship is a verb. It's, it's something we do. And, it, and this means that there's something we do when we worship. And, you know, the simplest word might be just to, like, actually engage with God. It's not a passive thing where we just kind of sit through it like zombies with our pupils dilated. It's why if you're worshiping at home, don't try to watch the service, as we sometimes say, while you're washing the dog or taking down the Christmas tree ornaments or organizing your bill drawer. It's so tempting, and I'm talking to myself sometimes here, but you can't do all of that and worship as a verb. So here's the shift for you. The truth is worship is a verb. Here's the shift from spectator to participant. So I'm going to step on a few of our toes now. It's why I cringe a little. And sometimes, honestly, you want to cry a little bit inside when I hear someone say, hey, uh, where are you going to 
watch the service? Or when are you going to watch the service? They're going to say, no, 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 please. Please do not watch the service. Participate in the service. Yes, yes, yes. See the difference? Engage with the living God. Come with expectancy like you're ready for God to show up and something to happen. Come ready to respond with thanks and praise and readiness or maybe you come with sorrow or sadness. Just bring your real self and then actually engage. Be ready when it starts. Look at your clock like you wouldn't be late for a meeting with the mayor or the president, you know. Try, try to focus. You're going to meet the king of the universe. So it's not a show or a production or a TED talk that someone's prepared for you. It's an invitation for you to participate in something with others that's special and holy and powerful and amazing. And it's called worship of the most high God. And it's what you and I were made for. It's what we long for. It's our heart's true home. If only we knew it. If only we wouldn't get so confused about these boring church services that we have in our head or rituals that don't mean anything. The sooner we get out of our mindset, the idea of going to church and watching the service and shift from spectator to participant, the sooner, sooner I will bring God what he really wants because he doesn't get thrilled when I show up like a zombie and, and also the sooner I will leave with my own heart filled with new insights and fresh encouragement and, and a blessing that only comes when I really just get into it a little bit and participate. So I hope you're with me on this. When God's people in Israel, um, you know, in the Old Testament were stranded in Egypt, God sent, you know, a message to Moses and says, I'm going to get those people out of Egypt and I'm going to have you lead them, Moses. And God did it. Remember, he gave them an exodus, and they always remembered that it changed their lives, their destiny, their future. And they said, man, God is faithful. Remember, he came through. He's not distant. He didn't, he heard our cries, and, and he was moved, and he remembered that, and they, and they just lived out that memory. And that's what their worship centered around for centuries, remembering the faithfulness and goodness of God. We're so thankful, they said. So therefore, let us enter his gates with thanksgiving. Let us come into his courts with praise. God did it again. We messed up again, but you know what? God is still receiving us back, and that was what worship looked like. And you know what? In our time, God has now sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is a new and better Moses for us to lead us out of our despair, out of our sin, out of your slavery to addiction. You and I can heal and be forgiven and, and he can show us love and eternal life and he died on the cross and rose again to prove it all to us. And every single week we get to gather together and remember that. Remember what God did through Jesus. Oh, he's so good. He's so faithful. Remember that, what he did last week, last month, yesterday, this morning. God's amazing grace rescued me and delivered me. If you're thinking like that, when I get my head in the game, there is no way I can sit with my eyes glazed over and say, gee, I wonder, I wonder what the preacher is wearing today. You know, <laughs> what's up with that collar anyway? You know, it's like, like we all do that stuff. I'm just here to say, when we shift from spectator to participant and realize we're invited to participate in the highest, most noble thing any human being could ever do, and that is join all creation in worship. But we get to do it not only with the trees and the animals, but we get to do it with a mind and with our hands lifted and our hearts lifted and our knees bent and our eyes filled with tears of repentance and godly sorrow. Too many times I've just sat and just kind of watched. 
when we're gathered and when I'm at home. And I want to say, and I hope you're with me, doggone it, God, it's a new year, and I want a new start. And I want to begin by remembering worship's a verb. It's something I'm going to do with my whole heart and life. And, and if you're at home and you're watching the same exact screen and it's got, I don't know, Seinfeld reruns or a Netflix movie, it's okay to be a spectator. But don't let that fool you into thinking that when you watch that same screen now, that's what you're doing because worship's a verb. And that'll help our attitude, won't it? And uh, that, that'll help us shift from spectator to participant. It'll revolutionize things. Hey, something else. The second thing that will revolutionize your life with God when you worship is when you realize a second truth, and this is it. Worship is a gift. It's a gift. It's not only a gift to us that we get to do it, but I mean this. Worship is about us giving a gift to God. That's, that's the second truth. Worship is a gift. And here's the shift. The shift is from what am I going to get out of this to what am I going to bring to it? What am I going to bring to it? You know, Jesus talked about this mystery all the time. He said, it's better to give than receive. And somehow that's true in worship. Like when we give, we get more out of it anyway. So when you worship God, worry first about what you're bringing to it rather than what you're going to take away. Like think of the wise men, right? The very first people to visit Jesus. What did they do when they saw him? They fell down, they worshiped, and they brought gifts. What are you bringing to Jesus? Psalm 100 says, Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. You see that? It's talking about when you show up, you bring something with you, your own joy, thankfulness for what he's done. When you enter, you're, you're coming into the presence of the king. Don't come empty-handed. You better have a gift. Well, what can I bring the king of the universe? All he wants is for you to bring your heart, maybe some gratitude, maybe some thoughtfulness, maybe some sorrow, some repentance. That's what we bring. Enter his gates. Not what am I getting out of this, but what are you bringing to it? Bible says you can bring a sacrifice of praise. You can bring an honest, open heart, and God is pleased with all this. So, that's why you sometimes get a little, you know, confused when you hear people talking about the worship service like they're, like they're giving a grade to it, like we're all like Simon Cowell or Howie Mandel on America's Got Talent or The Voice, like we're like, I, you know, um, I liked that song or, you know, I like when they, that person sings or whatever. But we just got to remember, it's not about us. It's about the Lord and what we bring as our gift to Him. So every time I hear someone say, I didn't get anything out of that, I, I know it says more about them than it does about the service. And I'm secretly thinking inside, I'll just tell you right now, I'm sorry you didn't get anything out of that, but I know this, if it's probably because you didn't bring much to it. Enter his gates. Come before the Lord with something. You, you get out, if you can get out of bed today and breathe, you've got something to bring to the Lord, a little bit of gratitude. And this, by the way, is why we don't get into all the debates some churches do about you know, worship songs and which kind of music is the best. I like Bach. I like rock. We don't do any of that here because you know what? God loves it all. And that's why our worship leaders so artfully put together this vast kind of variety of stuff because God loves it all, even the bad singing that I do and you might do too. And um, so when you're home, just, just crank it up. And remember, there is an audience when we worship, but it's not you and it's not me. 
God is actually the audience. So all of us at our different computers and laptops, we're all part of the worship team. And, and our minds and hearts and thoughts are going together to create this sort of, sort of gift up to God, wherever we may be. And, and so that's exciting to think about as well. So when you're singing, let the words come into your mind and echo in your heart and you somehow make them your own words. Think about the words. Think about making them your prayer to God, your expression to the world. Make it personal and that's how you, you know, get into that and, and um, let it drift upward like an incense. And God, the Bible says God loves it. And, and when the sermon's being preached, you know, it's not something to critique. It's like, just know it's, I'm doing my best and who are, our preachers are doing our best to bring God's word to you. And God's word is convicting and comforting and powerful and it'll cut down deep and the spirit of God will speak to us and move us and let that happen. And God is honored by that. And the offering, when we talk about it, you know, don't just let it go by or think that's not about me. It's like, no, no, no. You enter into that moment and, and think, what do I want to give that God has given me and, 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 um, and make an offering either that moment or think about what, what you do. Maybe if you do it monthly or whatever, or the or the communion time, moments of quiet to commune with the Lord. I just want to encourage you guys just to see it this way and to realize worship is not only a verb, but worship is a gift. And here's the beautiful kickback. When we stop thinking about ourselves and just think about what am I bringing to the Lord, you always get so much more out of it. We get a huge blessing and a huge kickback. And you might have had a terrible week lost your job, someone ran over your dog, you know, you, you feel tired or terrible or discouraged, but you just come and say, God, I got, I'm, I can barely bring you anything today, but you do your best and give a gift to God. How do you feel when you're done? You feel blessed and full. It's not what you're getting out of it. It's what you're bringing to it. When you bring something to it, you'll, you'll go home with more out of it than ever. A big blessing. So these are things that we're carrying with us through worshiping online and through when we get ready to get back together. Worship is a verb, so shift from spectator to participant. Worship's a gift. Make the shift from what I get out of it to what I bring to it. Can I just leave you one more thing? It'll revolutionize your life with God when you worship. And as remembering, number three, worship's your life. It's just, it's our whole life. It's not what happens in an hour on a service on your phone or, you know, a worship service when we finally get to regather. Don't be fooled. Worship is 168 hours of your life and mine every week, all week, 24-7, 365. The shift is this, from a service once a week to a life of serving every day. From going to service to just being with God. I love what somebody said. Your life is God's gift to you. And how you live it is, is your gift back to God. And your whole life is worshiped like that. So, so it's way beyond the songs and the prayers. It's, it's how we live and spend our time when you're, when you're working out, when you're eating out, when you're at work, when you're on Zoom playing video games, or your sex life, your friendship, your social life, all of it. God gave you time and talent and treasure and how you invest that is your act of worship. If you're a bus driver, that bus is your sanctuary. If you're a school teacher, that Zoom call or classroom is, is the altar where you offer. Romans 12 says, in light of all God's goodness and his mercies toward you, your response is to offer your whole life as a living sacrifice. Like your life, just climb up on the altar and give your whole self to God, your heart, 
soul, mind, and strength, as Jesus said, and say, God, I want to worship you with my whole life. Like that old song says, we worship God with our life song, you know, our whole life song. May the things I say and the things I do bring a smile on your face, God. And uh, when we do um, gather together, it's so important. Um, those are important times of worship, but he wants more than anything. He wants our heart and our allegiance and our loyalty and obedience. You know, one time a guy in the Old Testament named Saul kind of messed this up. God asked him to do something very clearly and he didn't do it. And uh, he said, it's, it's good enough. I'll just throw a big worship service. We'll have lots of songs. I'll make a sacrifice to God and, and we'll, we'll give a big offering to God. We'll just do a big old church service. And you know what? God will be happy with that. And you know what? God wasn't happy with that. And God's response back through the prophet was this. You know what? What I desire from you is more than sacrifice. I just want your obedience. I want your heart. I want your loyalty. I want your faithfulness. I want you. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So yes, worship services are great. Let's do them when we get back together soon. Let's do them online. But even more than that, when the computer screen goes down and the service is over and the comment in the chat section has gone away, that's when our life is given over to the Lord. And we fall so far short, we all know that, but we just keep coming back to the Lord and He's gracious and loving ready to receive us. He's our shepherd. So we come like sheep and we get fed from him again, forgiven from him again, held in his hand again. We're never going to be perfect, but God delights in our softened hearts that just come to him ready for his grace. And that is what worship looks like. So do that in the trenches of life every day. In the realities of homeschool, worship. In the reality of home projects and struggle and doubt and pandemics. That's where we raise a hallelujah. You know, the word hallelujah just means praise the Lord. We'll do it when we come together. We'll do it online during the service. But what God wants is for you and me to raise a hallelujah. When you're afraid, when you're surrounded and filled with doubt, you say praise the Lord anyway. When you're in a storm, when you're sick of this pandemic, when you lost your job when you're just hoping God can bring some sort of hope out of ashes and peace in this pandemic, when you're on top of the world and the bottom of the pit, I'm just going to raise a hallelujah anyway. Who's with me? That's a New Year's revolt that will change your life and bring honor to God.